Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are going to react to the San Francisco 49ers divisional round victory over the Dallas Cowboys as the Niners advance to the NFC Championship game for the third time in four seasons after knocking off and eliminating the Dallas Cowboys 19-12 at Levi Stadium. And ladies and gentlemen, they said they wanted to play us. All their fans after they beat Tampa Bay were sitting in the stadium saying, we want the Niners. We want the Niners. Hey, well, guess what? The Dallas Cowboys, you came, you saw, and you got the San Francisco 49ers. Let this be a reminder. Be careful what you wish for. You wanted this so bad. You, you talked about how Dak Prescott, you, the Niners lost last year at Dallas. It affected us. It hurt us. We want revenge. Micah Parsons, you know, we know who we want. Oh, do you? Because you got who you wanted and you couldn't get the job done. There is nothing better, maybe outside of beating Seattle three times in one season and sending Pete Carroll packing, maybe it's beating the Rams two times and owning SoFi Stadium, but there was nothing historically better than defeating, annihilating, and eliminating the Dallas Cowboys out of the NFL playoff picture just like San Francisco did yesterday. Niners win Dallas loses. That's where we're at. But what does the media say? The, what is the national media saying? In my opinion, my humble Niner-loving opinion, can the media, the national media, ESPN, FS1, CBS Sports, can they please give the Niners the respect they deserve? Every conversation in the national media is, how did the Cowboys blow this game? How bad was Dak Prescott? And the only conversation surrounding the Niners is, well, I don't know if I can trust Brock Purdy. Is Brock Purdy the guy? He has to be perfect if they're going to beat Philadelphia. I'm sorry, Colin Coward and Skip and Shannon and everybody at ESPN. The Dallas Cowboys didn't just lose this game. They got beat by the San Francisco 49ers for the second year in a row. Last year, Dak's trying to snap the ball, one second left, eh, game over with. Got sent packing, right? This year, same dumb crap late in the game. Zeke's playing center, eh, Jimmy Ward gets the tackle, and Dallas goes home again. But somehow, someway, the national media will not give San Francisco credit. And look, this game itself was a dogfight. And I want to start off by giving the Dallas Cowboys the credit they deserve. Dallas came into San Francisco in this game ready to play, at least defensively. Both the defenses in this game knew they were whoever blinked last was likely going to be the loser in this game. Thankfully, San Francisco didn't blink really much at all, but they did. 12 points against them, right? One touchdown, a blocked field goal later, right? And there was a certain point in this game where I believe, as a collective Niner fan said, while I'm confident in my team, Dallas has come to play. This wasn't last year's Dallas team. This was a team that I said on, on the podcast last week that, look, there's a chance we can lose this game. Dallas is a good team. 
I know we're kind of, we're mocking him, we're hitting on him, like, Mike McCarthy has the chain out, he's dancing, and all that stuff. Dude, your chain got tucked. Debo came strolling by on his bike, and he tucked that chain real quick. That thing was grabbed off your chest. I mean, come on. Like, I understand we're taking jabs and having fun, and we're, you know, we're on social media talking a bunch of mess, but look, the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard, like, their offense is good. Their defense is, is number two in football. So I want to give them credit. But I also want to point to areas where I believe San Francisco struggled. And to do that, you have to start with earlier in the game. And look, again, defenses came to play. Like Both defenses came out ferocious, wanting to make a statement. Fred Warner flying around. Sean Gibson had a big hit early. Hufunga was good in coverage early on Dalton Schultz. The Dallas Cowboys, Parsons, it seemed like every single play on a screen, he was in that throwing lane. Like, Dallas came to play defensively in this game. Like, there is no if, ands, or buts about that stuff. Up front, like, for the first time all year, or at least since week seven, when San Francisco traded for McCaffrey, this may have been the first time all year a defense has made him a non-factor for a half. He had eight touches, 17 yards. Like Christian McCaffrey, for all the talk of greatest midseason trade of all time, which I still believe that, like he's an amazing player, Dallas said, oh, we're going to wipe him away. We are going to essentially make your offense Christian McCaffrey less. And it worked. San Francisco could not find a rhythm early in this game. Even Brock Purdy, for how good he's been for all the talk of, you know, I don't know, he might be the guy for the future, and that's still a possibility here. Like, San Francisco has still won this game. <laughs> like, we might talk negatively about some aspects, but they still won this game. Like, that cannot be forgotten. They won 19-12. to They held an NFL offense that has Dak Prescott, a franchise quarterback who I like, who, who many people in the media may not like, but there was conversations, and we, and we talked about this, that the media narrative had flipped. Once he had that career game against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, it was, oh my goodness, is he the best NFC quarterback in the playoffs still? And I sat here and said, that is such an unwarranted praise. He's had one good game. He's relatively always good against the Buccaneers, right? And we're sitting here saying, is he the best quarterback in the NFC now? When Jalen Hurts was still there. At this point, you know, Dak Prescott was there. Obviously, Brock Purdy was still there. Like... I didn't understand the conversation that was being had around Dak Prescott. And it's funny to point out the media is so back and forth on him. It's like, look, he's great. He's awful. He's great. He's awful. And as a Niner podcast, as Niner fans, I can sit here and say, I like Dak Prescott. I think he's a good quarterback. That being said, like one year ago, he led an offense that was by statistics and yardage the best in football last year. He's not a scrub. He's a good NFL quarterback that, unfortunately, his middle name should be Dak Kirk Cousins Prescott. He just doesn't have that in him or doesn't have the it factor in him to win you a good playoff game. Like, when things get tough, Dak folds. We know that. But that being said, it wasn't just tough. San Francisco's defense and Demeco Ryan's Please don't leave. <laughs> I mean, my God, you can hold the Dallas Cowboys, who at a certain point, while Pollard got hurt, even early in this game, it wasn't like 
Dallas may have been moving the football better than San Francisco, but it was more of like, hey, we're trading three and outs or we're trading field goals here. It was not like there was big shots down the field. And look, Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks offense moved the ball better against the San Francisco 49ers top-ranked defense than the Dallas Cowboys did. That shouldn't happen if you're Dallas. Like, Dallas didn't perform well in this game, but San Francisco took so much away from them. Like, Fred Warner and Deshaun Gibson, Hufunga, Mooney Ward was amazing in this game. For all the talk of, you know, pass defense, that's that's the concern. Even I said, I might have been more maybe worried about the defense than the offense. That's not the case anymore. <laughs> like, right now, I think I can equally say that these two, while the offense only put up 19 points, these two units are, bar none, the best in football. And yes, you can poke holes in the offense here or there. McCaffrey wasn't great. Purdy was okay at certain times in this game. I think better than what the stats might say. And we'll get into him later, but the defense was amazing in this game. Amazing. Like, the... The pressures didn't come often, but when they did, they were needed. Lenore had a great interception in this game. People had the picture on Twitter. It was the catch of Dwight Clark and then his catch, which I know it's offense and defense, but they looked eerily similar. But then that's where you kind of get into where the offense faltered for San Francisco. Because the defense was amazing. was great, right? They had two takeaways. Two takeaways in this game. Could have had three later. We'll get into that part later. But they had two takeaways. On both takeaways, they only had six total points. Field goals. In playoff games, especially the Lenore interception, you squandered a drive starting at the Dallas Cowboys 21-yard line. And right here is where I sat back and I said, what are we doing, Kyle? I trust you. I love you. You're a great head coach. You should be in the coach of the year conversation. But what are we doing? Why are we doing this? We're doing this where it's screen pass? Play like play action's not working. Screen passes aren't working. Micah Parsons is like, hey, I'm standing right here, guys. <laughs> like, like, my hands are in front of the football. And Purdy's not throwing balls because guys are in the way and he's getting sacked. And like the offense did not look like a Kyle Shanahan, Chris McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk involved offense. It didn't look like the Brock Purdy offense we've come to know and really love in San Francisco. And so on this drive, San Francisco at the 21-yard line following Lenore's interception, second in two weeks, by the way, it's great for him, but they ran the ball on the previous 11 plays prior to this drive five times. Basically half of their plays, they ran the ball, but in this drive alone, they didn't run the ball once. Not with CMC, not with... Elijah Mitchell, not even with Debo Samuel. And I sat back and I said, it's going to be one of those days, huh? Where Kyle Shanahan's trying to get either too cute or too conservative or, you know, stick to the game plan. The game plan is the only way you can win the game. And while, yes, San Francisco won the game, I'm being very nitpicky. I get that. But it's the small things where, and, and sometimes it's just the matchup. Like, Dallas and San Francisco matched up against each other very well. 
Well, I can say that I was expecting more points. Like This was a game I thought was going to come down to the wire. And while it shouldn't have come down to the wire, it came down on, it, this was a game I thought was going to be close. And it was. But in this drive, you're sitting there saying, hey, look, you have to put up points here, and it seems like we're playing for a field goal or, or trying to kind of get too creative here when Debo running, CMC running, like there were certain simple plays that might be able to get you three, four yards a pop, get you to first down, get you closer. That's where Kittle becomes more maybe important and he can kind of do his work. And like the drive didn't make sense to me offensively, but they get three points. What does Dallas do? In return, 75 yards, 14 plays, takes seven plus minutes off the clock. And we're sitting here saying, uh-oh, defense looked great early, but Dallas just marched 75 yards on you and put a touchdown up. Now, thankfully, Brett Mayer is a not a good kicker. <laughs> and Ebukam got the, got the block. Now, look, to, to be fair, that kick was going to miss anyways. <laughs> but still, so it's 6-6. Six to six. It's 6-6 six to six right here. And you're saying, okay, this game is going to, like, this is going to be, you know, a boxing match. I'm Rocky. They're Apollo Creed, right? This is, you know, we're going to be bloodied and it's going to be bruised. And at the end, we're going, Adrian, Adrian, all that stuff. Like, this is going to be a dogfight until the end. And it's it's 6-6, six and six, scores tied up, and we're sitting here. Dallas has the ball. Then Pollard breaks his foot. And it sucks. I hope he gets healthy. He's an amazing player. But there is a couple of instances in this game where the game shifted. This was one of them. Where Tony Pollard's been the number one back for them the past four or five weeks. He's been amazing. He has been their essential all-pro offensively for them this year. Like, Zeke Elliott's not good anymore. He's old. A little overweight, in my opinion. He got paid that big money. He has a 19 million-dollar cap hit next year, and he's their short yardage back. They're basically paying a full uh, a fullback that can't block to get you two or three yards of carry. I mean, come on. Like, Zeke Elliott's not good, and then they lose their top running back, and like Kirk Cousins, and like many other quarterbacks in the Dak Prescott tier, you take away their top offensive weapon, you take away the piece they are supposed to be complementary for, that's when panic happens. That's when the nightmare scenario starts for Dak Prescott and Dallas Cowboys. So, again, hope Pollard gets healthy. But, and look, I hate saying this, but it's pretty ironic that for a, a team like Dallas, who their radio station, don't know the name of it, don't really care about it, but their hosts were saying, you know, we hope Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, and it's, although it sucks completely, Pollard, he's an amazing player. Please get healthy. It's pretty ironic that your quarterback gets hurt. Maybe you shouldn't say stupid things like that. Like, don't put evil out into the world, and it hopefully won't come back to bite you. Like, my whole motto as a person is like, hey, you know, look, like, you live your life, I'll live mine. We ain't hurting each other. Good stuff. It's all love. Like, respect. Like, that's how I live my life. Mind my own business. You mind yours, and, and we're good to go. It's all about love in this place as a podcast, as a show, and as a person. It's all about love, right? But for the Dallas radio shows to say we want CMC to get hurt, and for Pollard to get hurt, it's like, man, like that, you put that out there. That sucks for Pollard, but you put that out there. But then what happens later? Dak throws his second interception. 
great play, Jimmy Ward and Fred Warner, then that's when things kind of settled down for San Francisco. You stop Dallas's you know potential for a longer drive. Their running back gets hurt, and as a fan, as as watching the game, I said, "There's no way Dallas wins this game now." Everything has kind of flipped towards San Francisco's end if they can just put points on the board. Like, Dallas is not going to be able to score again. Dak needs that running game. He needs it. He didn't have it in the second half, and look what happened. He needs it. But so, look, and this might be my biggest gripe of the entire game. And we'll get into the positives and Brock Purdy and George Kittle and all that stuff later. But this may have been my biggest gripe of the entire game. Because I sat here on the 95-7 the game couch during the Warrior game while I was working, and I said, okay, it's 6-6. to You have a minute and 15 seconds left and two timeouts. That is ample time to go down the field and put up points. Ample time, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. And yes... San Francisco did go down, and they got a field goal. 9-6, to six, going into halftime. Good stuff. You had the lead. But it's what happened leading up to that point where I said, okay, Kyle, for the second time in this game, it was a goal line drive earlier that I didn't like. Then it was this drive I didn't like either. Again, a minute and 15 and two timeouts. What'd they do? What does Kyle Shanahan, the, the almighty genius, call up? And again, I don't want to complain. We won 19-12. to We are going to the NFC Championship game for the third time in four seasons. Back-to-back years in the NFC Championship game. Every single time a Kyle Shanahan-led Niners team has gone to the playoffs, they have made it at least to the NFC Championship game. This is not a person I like to question. It's not. But just like last week, when I questioned what is up with the stupid squib kick towards the end of the first half, this week it was, what are you doing not calling timeouts with a minute and 15 left? So it's a minute and 15 left, two timeouts. He calls two running plays to CMC and Debo. I go, okay, that's, that's fine, whatever, you know, whatever. Then he waits 28 seconds. He lets basically... A half a minute off the clock, then calls a timeout. And I said, w- why? why? Why would you waste 30 seconds? And so then what happens? Or his explanation was, well, I didn't want to give Dallas too much time left. Kyle, <laughs> the only reason why a team like Seattle put points up on you in that short amount of time was because you squibbed it and then Jimmy Ward couldn't control himself and hit Geno Smith. And in this instance, go down, take care of your business, and and, and trust your number one defense to do its job. And maybe don't squib it this time. <laughs> like, I don't want to complain, but it's like, there's small things. There's small things that matter. Like, had San Francisco just been up, and I know they weren't, you know, what if only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? This doesn't matter. But Brock Purdy, literally on two consecutive plays because Kyle Shanahan wasted 30 seconds, 
throws the ball away with seven seconds left, then barely gets the ball thrown away. Like, with one second, he barely gets the ball out of bounds. And it's like, hey, Kyle, imagine if he had 20 extra seconds. What could you do with that? Even if Purdy had thrown the ball away, even in those two plays, it's third down. You can hopefully get a shot somewhere, get a first down here or there, get out of bounds. Whatever you, whatever play you want to scheme up, you would have had 20 extra seconds, whether it's one shot, two shots to the end zone, you know, whatever it is, you would at least have given yourself the time to draw up something, to have an idea. Now, I'm not sure if that was maybe, hey, I don't want to risk a turnover here. I get that. But you haven't been afraid of that all year. And now we're afraid of Dallas's offense when they just lost their running back and they've only had one good drive against your number one ranked defense where your secondary already has two turnovers or takeaways. I just don't get that thinking. And I love Kyle. Kyle's great. Coach of the year candidate. Like, he's on his third string quarterback. <laughs> like, my God. But it's just a small, like, it's like, it's, and it's, it's only in the first half. It's, it's never in the second half. It's only in the first half with Kyle. Going back to the Ravens game, 2019, same thing. You know, I'm not going to go for a field goal, you know, whatever. And you're like, Kyle, like, why? You have time. You can make a play here. You can take a shot here or there. Even in the Super Bowl in 2019, he wasn't taking the shot. He was running the ball, running the ball. Then Jimmy hits Wilson on a freaking you know cut route, and he goes 15, 20 yards for a first down. Then he's like, oh, now I can try it. And it's like, I know the thought process may be I don't want to be too aggressive and ruin a drive. I get that. But you were one second away from not having three points here, and you could have had 20 extra seconds. Again, it's a small gripe. You go into halftime up 9-6. to six, Your defense is playing lights out. Two takeaways. What am I complaining about? Like, we beat the Dallas Cowboys, and we're feeling good. We're partying, right? You know, again, they're out there chanting, we want San Francisco, and you got us. (laughs) And you got your butt kicked. And you got sent home. And now we're going to Philadelphia, not you. So what am I complaining about? But the second half is where things change. Like, And maybe it's because of the intensity of that first half, where it was like, okay, like, Dallas came to play. We have to be our best today. And that's every playoff game, but I could argue that playing Seattle, yes, third time this year, always a question. It's Pete Carroll. Like, there are questions about that Seattle team that might scare or at least worry a Niner fan, including myself. But against Dallas, this game was okay. Like, they saw what happened last year in their home field in Jerry World. Like, they have all the money in the world around them. Their owner literally got an organization moved from St. Louis to Los Angeles because he didn't want the competition. Like, they have all the power of the NFL behind them. And I'm not saying it's rigged or anything. I'm just saying that, look, Dallas Dallas not only means something historically to this fan base in San Francisco, beating them in the 80s, right? And last year and now this year, but they're a good team. They have a defensive player of the year candidate on their end who had a good game yesterday. Like, they shouldn't have been taken lightly. 
And knowing how it was going to be trading jabs and trading blows, and whoever gets that final punch in, they're going to be the ones that win the football game. And the second half starts, and you go, okay, it's 9-6, to six, defense is playing great, and I felt so bad because <laughs> on the anniversary of Kyle Williams' double fumble against the New York Giants, Ray Ray McLeod, who has been money this year, who we have praised many times on this podcast and on Twitter, he fumbles the football, and you're just like, oh my God. Like, this is not how it's going to happen. Areas of the team that have been so good this year, are they going to be the ones that falter? Now, thankfully, and it's funny because every single turnover in this game led to a field goal. Like, if you want to understand how good the defenses were in this game, every turnover, Warner's interception, Lenore's interception, this fumble led to a field goal. A field goal. And Lenore's, that drive started on the 21-yard line of Dallas. This one, I believe it started on San Francisco's, like, 20 as well. Field goals. Like, defenses were on their game in this one unparalleled how great like the Giants had a good defense kind of they're young you know they're they're very aggressive they got blown out 38 points against them in Philadelphia and they were like you know we're coming for you Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts is like you, you like what is this like there's no AFC defense like the Bills defense right supposed to be they were supposed to be the darling of the NFL and I get there had they done that this story of DeMar Hamlin I get all that stuff. But even in the preseason, before any of that stuff happened, they have the best quarterback and the best offense and the best defense. Joe Burrow said, okay, that's cute. That's cool. Get out. Like Joe Burrow saying, hey, refund them tickets to Atlanta. <laughs> right? But in this game, like the Niners and Dallas Cowboys, in my opinion, were the two best defenses remaining in the, in the playoffs, by bar none. Philadelphia is great against the pass, not against the run. Chiefs have kind of a, you know, him-ho, you know, kind of piece-together defense, and they're not great. Like, Jacksonville could have won that game, and they just blew it because they're too young. They couldn't make the plays, right? And, and Bengals, although have an underrated defense, they have holes. San Francisco and Dallas, like, it was two lions mauling each other. It was the octagon, right? You know, it, pick any... It was like John Bone Jones and Chuck Liddell. I don't know if that works very well, but or Car McGregor and John Bones Jones in their prime. Like it was like whoever gets that last shot is gonna get the KO. And thankfully McLeod comes back, 53 yard return, then it's a three and out again, and you're like, God, can we just score a freaking touchdown? Can we just put up some points, man? <laughs> I'm dying over here. I'm sitting here and I'm sweating, and I'm like, man, I'm chugging Dasani waters and arrowheads, and I'm like, could someone put the lemon in the water? I'm starting to struggle. I need some nutrients. Call the touchdown, please, San Francisco. Do what you got to do and score me a touchdown here. And then the defense comes up big again. Fred Warner had that amazing coverage against CeeDee Lamb over the middle. He runs from basically the, the line of scrimmage, runs 30 yards back, and somehow is, you know, it's just an amazing play. There was no linebacker in football like Fred Warner. None. He's he's amazing. He's and it's funny because 
in a game that was touted as Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons for Dallas, Defensive Player of the Year, Nick Bosa for San Francisco, the best defensive player on the field in this game, Fred Warner. A guy who is all pro Fred, we celebrate him here in San Francisco, but doesn't always get the credit he deserves elsewhere. Fred Warner was great in this game. In coverage, he blew up two or three plays on the running plays. Like, Fred Warner was awesome in this game. He was awesome in this game. He had a pick, his second of his career in the playoffs. Like, Fred Warner, I mean, they were right to pay you. <laughs> and we do that here, but the NFL at a national stage is starting to see that, and it's just awesome. It's awesome. He deserves so much credit. Then the offense gets the ball back. And we're sitting here, and you're just waiting. Like, when is the bow going to break for San Francisco? It's 9-9. Nine to nine. Like, it has to break sometime. Like, Dallas is reeling. The defense is getting tired. You can see they're, they're over there. I don't know, coach. Give me the oxygen. And at some point, you're waiting. Okay, when is Kyle Shanahan? When is Brock Purdy? When are they going to take that shot? They're vulnerable. And what does Brock Purdy do? He goes through his progressions. He loosens up. And he finds George Kittle over the middle of the field. A little too out in front, but tip, tip, tip. We're out the circus. George Kittle catches the football, drops the freaking three first down marker down, putting the tongue out, and you're like, finally, finally we got something here. Like That was an amazing catch. Then the offense finds their stride. They get in the end zone. CMC's touchdown run. McGlinchey with a double block to get there. It was like that is like what we're waiting for. That is what me and my Nick Bosa jersey has been waiting for all day long. And I think it goes to show that this Niners team this year, in my opinion, I get there have been question marks along the way. But right now, this team is not only in the NFC Championship, but Philadelphia isn't even a three-point favorite, which most home teams are. They're two and a half. That shows you what Vegas thinks of San Francisco. The Oh, the number one seed who lost a handful of games this year because their starting MVP caliber quarterback didn't play in those games against Dallas and the Saints. They have him back now. That team that has one of the best passing defenses in football. That team who has a, you know, an amazing receiving core and an MVP caliber quarterback, that team who has been the number one seed all year long, they don't even get to be a three-point favorite at home. At home. Vegas openly said, we do not want San Francisco to win this Super Bowl. They will lose money. They will lose money because San Francisco has been one of the top odds on like like they believe in them so much even with Brock Purdy and look the journey has been long it's been arduous Trey Lance feels like a decade ago Debo Samuel's trade request pre-draft feels like a century ago even Jimmy Garoppolo who was playing as late as like week 13 
feels like a year ago. This season has been long, painful, makes you want to cry sometimes. But this Niners team, I have never once sat back and said, oh, they're not going to get this thing done. And even in a game like this, 9-9, nine nine, with the number two defense staring you down, saying, make a move. Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy, George Kittle didn't blink. There were some struggles to get there. There was some questionable play calling, in my opinion, to get there. But the defense didn't blink almost all day. Demeco Ryans didn't blink. Fred Warner didn't blink. San Francisco knew and knows what it takes to get to their goal. A team like Dallas, they, they ain't even tasted it. The Dallas Cowboys, and I said it in the last podcast, previewing the game, if you've made it through my 35 minutes of screaming and yelling <laughs> so far, I said they've always been the bridesmaid. They've always been the kind of joke of a franchise of, we'll get them next year. Again, they have, they have the, the Facebook post of 2023 Super Bowl champions on their chest during the draft. And it's funny because I saw one of those <laughs> saw one of those on Twitter and I said, oh my goodness, this is, this is perfect. They've always been that team where it's, we'll get them next year. It's always next year, guys. San Francisco this year not only sent Cliff Kingsbury to Thailand after being fired, they not only sent the Seattle Seahawks home and beat them for a third time in one season, I don't think this will happen, but right now they have Dallas Cowboy fans not only smashing TVs and burning jerseys as always because they're Cowboy fans, but they have, I believe, Jerry Jones seriously questioning Dak Prescott's future in Dallas. And San Francisco is sitting back saying, we're calm, we're cool, and we're collected. The chaos of the season doesn't affect us. And that goes from Lynch all the way down, Shanahan all the way down. The culture they have built in San Francisco is almost, if not the best in football, bar none. Like, they not only instill confidence in the quarterbacks, all three of them, <laughs> mind you, but they also instill confidence in special teams and defense in that guy who just never gets a snap. There was a snap in this game where Jordan Willis was guarding CeeDee Lamb, and I said, what the heck was that? Why is Jordan Willis in coverage? And I don't know if that was the play, but, like, if that's the confidence they have, which don't do that, please, against Philadelphia, but it's that's the confidence you have in that guy. Maybe it's blind, but <laughs> okay. I would rather you be confident in your player and tell them you can do this. I trust you to do this then be like Dallas, who was like, as a coach in McCarthy, I'm not sure we can do this. And now you're seeing that they have cracks in the organization. Now, they've had them for a long time, but you've seen the Giants and the Packers. Like, you see all these premier top market NFL teams that just have cracks in their organization. San Francisco doesn't. Jed York deserves a ton of credit. In the past, I believe it's 12 years, 
San Francisco has been in six NFC Championship games. We talk about all the mistakes Jed made with Harbaugh, and I get it. They're true. They're honest. What Jed... Jed had to grow up. He did. Like, Jed had to learn how to be an owner and a CEO. But guess what he has? He saw the mistakes he made with Tom Sula and Harbaugh and Kelly and said, I have to get this hire right. And he hired two of the best guys to do it. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Now look, we ain't done yet. We got hopefully two more games to go. Right? But right now, and even if, knock on wood, they don't reach their goal, Jed York, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch deserve so much credit for what they've done this year. Not just on the field coaching three different quarterbacks and the injuries, but front office decisions bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo when everyone said, what are you doing? Brock Purdy, go signing Mooney Ward and Jordan Willis's and and Ebukam's and, and, and Jed York making the hire of Lynch and Shanahan. Like, this stuff doesn't happen often. We've seen the mess that it was even made by Jed York himself, but somehow, some way, still has this team, or has had this team, in six of the last 12 NFC Championship games. And it's funny because I can look at you and say that we ain't done yet, <laughs> obviously. We can win this entire thing this year. And there's another team, just like the Seahawks, who are sitting in front of us now, that I think they're waiting to get their wings plucked to. Like, I'm tired of seeing Nick Sirianni's face over there yelling at refs and in the camera, I hate it, hate it. Like, I want, I am tired of seeing other teams' coaches wear chains. You know who takes chains away? Debo Samuel. Debo's coming, Nick Sirianni. But took that chain. McCarthy didn't, and it got, it got snatched. But Sirianni better tuck that chain because Debo's coming. But back to this game in itself, get the touchdown, they're up, great. And, and it's funny because I could argue in this game the best special teams player on the field was, yes, Robbie Gold, who now holds the NFL record. NFL record for consecutive kicks made in the playoffs without a miss. Just insane what Gold's been able to do this year. Listen to these stats. Robbie Gold was 4 for 4 on field goals, hit one extra point, made a 50-yarder in his career. Gold is 65 for 65 on kicks and extra points. NFL record, folks. Robbie Gold, for all the talk of, he's paid too much, don't pay a kicker. I agree, but he has been worth every penny. Every penny, but in this game, well, yes, the points matter. His best play may have been on accident, where he stops Turpin from kicking that for taking the ball back to the house and the kick, where you just scored a touchdown on the very next drive. Turpin's out like the 45 yard line, and Golds is kind of standing there and kind of turns his body and puts his back on Turpin and knocks him over. And had Turpin gone to the left or the right, it's probably a touchdown. And Robbie Gold made one of, if not the biggest play of the game as a kicker on special teams. What does that tell you? Every single player matters. <laughs> Even the kicker on special teams. 
So Dallas has the ball. Okay, what's going to happen here? Then Dre Greenlaw drops the pick six, and you're okay. You know, San Francisco gets the ball back with like two minutes. Okay, this is the drive to ice the game. And we'll get into Brock Purdy in a minute, but this is the drive to ice the game. And you run the ball twice, and then Elijah Mitchell doesn't step out of bounds. And you're just like, why does everything have to be so freaking difficult? Like, why can't in a playoff game, I know it's the playoffs, it's high tension all the time, I get it. But why in a playoff game can we not just have an easy win? <laughs> Every loss is hard. Every win seems harder. <laughs> like, ugh, so frustrating. It's like, just slide and bounce. And so you're sitting there saying, oh, okay, great. Like, I get it. Mitchell being somewhat inexperienced, you're in the moment. I get it. Then you have to give the ball back to Dallas. And you're like, okay. Like, here we go. How was this whole thing going to wrap up? And they're moving the ball here or there. You know, it doesn't seem too different than the other drives we've seen. But you just never know. Or, you know it's 19 to 12. They're only down by seven. Now, again, you're thinking, are they going to go for two because the kicker sucks and you know, you know whatever? Like there's so many possibilities going through your head, and you're just like, for the love of God, can someone just sack Dak Prescott? And Ebukam goes, oh, I can do that. He sacks him. They get back up there. In the last play of the game, you kind of just sat there and said, did I did I see what I just saw? Did the Dallas Cowboys try to run that stupid special teams play that the Colts tried to do a few years back? Oh, was 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 that Zeke Elliott playing center? Why is the entire offensive line playing receiver? <laughs> like, what's going on? And he kind of just said, that may have been the worst offensive play call in NFL playoff history. Yes, there have been some blown plays. Russell Wilson, goal line, you don't give it to Marshawn Lynch. I get it. Bad play, I don't know what, to this day, that'll haunt Seattle fans. Richard Sherman does not like Russell Wilson because of that play. <laughs> like, over other things, that play, he's like, you took a Super Bowl away from me and I did my job. But this play, I don't know if you have a nickname for it, but... I, it left me, left me speechless. Was like, why? Why don't you just do just do a hail mary? You have one second left, and you have your running back, who Aziz Al Shire just knocked him over and crushed him, and then Jimmy Ward gets the tackle, and the game's over with. And you hear the lovely words you want to hear: San Francisco's headed to the NFC Championship game, and you're like. Heck yeah, we are. But then the media narrative changes from, what a great win for San Francisco to how did Dallas lose this game? And I don't know if I can trust Brock Purdy. And speaking of Brock Purdy, I I don't know why the media looks at this game as a negative. Yes, early in this game, San Francisco's offense was not moving the football great. They just weren't. 10 carries for Chris McCaffrey, 35 yards. It's not great. It's just, it's just not. 
San Francisco had 32 carries, including Purdy's three scrambles, 113 yards. That's well, yes, it's over 100 yards, but it's not. That's not the, not the Niners offense we've come to know. It's usually explosive on the ground. They're making big plays, whether it's Debo or McCaffrey or Mitchell. There's something. There, there's usually one play for a big chunk yards, and their longest run was 13 yards in this game. That's not common. And yes. Brock Purdy missed some throws early. But I could argue that the throws that he missed, and again, Dallas, their defense was playing great. Like, there were guys just not open. And Purdy's like, I have the ball and I can't throw it to anybody. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do here, Kyle? Like, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, get open. Now, there was one play early where Kittle was open and Purdy just didn't see him. But other than that, it was like, Ayuk's not getting open, and Jennings isn't getting open, and it just wasn't much was happening offensively in the past game. And I'm not sure if that was because of the screen game they were going with, and that wasn't working. So it just kind of, like, the Niners had a weird start to this game because of the game plan, not because Purdy wasn't doing his job. But even then, in a game like this, and as Niner fans, as of recent, we've seen this game before. We've seen this... You know, Jimmy Garoppolo game when the defense is carrying the offense and then Jimmy has that one pick and you're like, Jesus Christ, Jimmy. Like, out of all things, I love you to death, but my God, what are you doing? And it's not meant to be a knock on Jimmy, but in a game like this where Purdy, had he thrown a pick to Dallas, not only would I have understood it. It's a great defense. Trevon Diggs is there and he almost did a handful of times. But it could have been a backbreaker for San Francisco. But what did he do? Brock Purdy took two sacks, threw the ball away three or four times in this game alone, and he took care of the football. He made it so you can live to fight another play. He said, the big play, the touchdown pass might not be out there, but my job is now to take care of the football, to make sure that my team isn't hurt by me. And that, like, that is what you call a gamer. That's where you can point to and say, he may not have had a great game, but you know what he did? He did his job. The stat sheet may not say what you want it to say. You, it, you want it to be 24 for 29, 300 plus yards, and I get that stuff. We all want that as a quarterback. But I'll take 19 for 29, 214 yards, 7.4 yards per attempt, and an 87.4 rating. Now, yes, you can get better, undoubtedly. But in a game where hinged on a quarterback taking care of the football, imagine if Dak Prescott doesn't throw two picks in this game. San Francisco likely loses because... Because Brock Purdy wasn't Dak Kirk Cousins Prescott, they won the game. Dak threw two picks. That was the difference. That was the difference maker in this game. Brock Purdy says, if the big play isn't there, I'm not going to force a pass. And he made timely plays. George Kittle, five catches, 95 yards. How many times has clutch game Kittle, as I call him, come up big late this year? It's the Raiders, it's the Cardinals, so many times. Seattle, like, 
his amazing circus catch, while yes, was a highlight going to be talked about for a long time, he had five catches in 95 yards, career highs in playoff games. Like, George Kittle was money in this game. There were multiple third downs where he had Jennings on a second down or a big first down. Then, again, Kittle five times over the middle for big chunk plays. Like, George Kittle was awesome in this game. Awesome. Debo Samuel, while, again, wasn't a great game for him, he had eight total touches of 56 yards. Not an amazing game, but physical, dominating style of play. That makes the defense go, ow, that hurt. And they can't hang with guys like that. But Brock Purdy in this game wasn't bad. He wasn't great, but he was good. And I don't get the media narrative now. Yes, seventh-round pick, shouldn't be here. Pick 262, Mr. Irrelevant. I get all, he's not a second-round pick like Hurts. He ain't Burrow and Mahomes. I get that stuff. He, that's not who he is. But he's never been that. But you know what he is? He's poised. He doesn't feel the need to force a pass here or there. And he's not Jack Prescott, who is getting paid big money, big bucks, to be the integral reason Dallas lost a playoff game. Brock Purdy's not going to be the reason you lose a playoff game, as he's shown through two games thus far. That, that could change, but you can't predict what you don't see, or at least what you haven't seen just yet. And so I get, well, I don't know what he can do. I get that. I understand the questions that may lie ahead for Brock Purdy. It's a big task to go on the road in Philadelphia. You're not at home anymore. This team has played many, many home games with Brock Purdy. They've won, what, two road games with him, Seattle and the Raiders. Only played two road games. It's a big question mark. What I do know is in a game like this for Brock Purdy, because could have easily folded, could have easily had two big mistakes and cost his team a victory, he didn't. What did he do? Took care of the football, made timely and correct throws, and understood, I have to live to fight another day. He was poised, he was calm, and you can't teach that stuff. People talk about the it factor. You know, what is the it factor? What is the X factor? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what exactly, you know, like, like what exactly is the recipe to call it that. I have no idea like how you quantify the it factor and the X factor. But I do know what Brock Purdy is and what he has. And it might not be the Burrow and the Mahomes and the Hurts X factor. It might not be. But in a game like this, I can tell you what he is and what he isn't. He's not Dak Prescott. He's not Kirk Cousins or Daniel Jones. He's one of the four quarterbacks remaining in the NFL playoffs. And in a game where the running game was really not working until late, Brock Purdy kept his team in the game and they survived. And through the past playoff games, it's not been like that for San Francisco. They now have a guy that despite all the success they had previously with Jimmy Garoppolo, I love him. I wish him the best. He might even get healthy and be the backup quarterback in the Super Bowl, wouldn't that be great? He deserves credit for part of this year. He like he he essentially saved San Francisco's season. Like, really did. But what he's done in the past against Green Bay, 
against Dallas. Just last year in the playoffs, Brock Purdy outplayed him in regards to not making the critical turnover in the red zone or opening a door for a team like Dallas to come back. And Brock Purdy didn't do that. He kept that door shut the entire game. As soon as San Francisco got that lead, Brock Purdy said, I must protect the football. I must protect the football. Don't make a dumb pick. Don't make a rookie seventh round Mr. Irrelevant mistake here. And he didn't do that. And he hasn't done that yet through two playoff games. So in Brock Purdy, we trust, I guess you could say. Make t-shirts now. There's Big Cock Brock and there's Brock Purdy we trust. And just like Dan Devone said on 95-7 the game, going to Philadelphia, one of the biggest underdogs in really fictional stories is Rocky Balboa. How about we name Brock Purdy, Brocky Balboa? Ladies and gentlemen, the San Francisco 49ers took out the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, it feels so good. It feels great. It feels awesome. It feels like heaven, honestly. But the job is not done yet. San Francisco's last task before hopefully heading to Brock Purdy's hometown or home state of Arizona to get to that Super Bowl stands the Philadelphia Eagles in our path. We're going to take a plane later this week to Philadelphia and go one-on-one, mano-a-mano with the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. And if you want to go to that game, you can use our promo code 49ersaccess at seatgeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Again, tickets are going to be astronomical, but if you want to go to that game for a small discount, 49ers access, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase. And also, want to get that gear again, the jersey of Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey. If you want an Aziz Alshire jersey, for God's sake, you can use our Fanatics link down in the description. Follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. And one last time tonight, the Dallas Cowboy fans said, we want San Francisco. And ladies and gentlemen, they got San Francisco. Dak Prescott sent home crying. Zeke Elliott sent home on his freaking butt by Aziz Alshire. And CeeDee Lamb, for the great game he had, it means absolutely nothing in the long run because your San Francisco 49ers are headed back to the NFC Championship game for the sixth time in 12 years, the third time in four years. And ladies and gentlemen, get ready. Later this week, we're going to preview Niners versus the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. Let's get this done. One game left right in front of us, and then it's Super Bowl time. Let's not squander it. And until next time, don't forget to leave a like, share, subscribe, leave that review. My name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast, and stay faithful.